So here's Liz to read from 1 Peter. Thank you, Liz. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Hi everyone, uh, I'm Gavin, I'm the Vicar of St John's Locks Heath and uh, I'm going to be speaking to you a bit about that passage from 1 Peter chapter 1. We're doing a little series on this letter that Peter wrote. Um, but isn't it just an amazing, beautiful day today? I'm recording this on Wednesday, I know you'll probably be watching it on Sunday, but today the sun is shining, the sky is beautifully blue. Uh, I just feel like I want to start by praying and thanking God. So, uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day. Uh, thank you for this astonishingly gorgeous world that you gave us to live in. Uh, thank you, Father, that at this time of uh, fear and doubt and uncertainty about the future, your world just keeps turning, uh, that spring is appearing everywhere, uh, that your goodness is evident to us all. So thank you, Father, for your world. Thank you for your words. Thank you for this book, the Bible, uh, that speaks to us, uh, where you open our hearts and help us to hear your voice today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, last week, uh, Ian Coombs kicked off this series on 1 Peter for us, and he uh, told us that Peter was writing to uh, a collection of Christians uh, throughout the Roman Empire, living in, in northern Turkey, uh, living really as foreigners in that part. It wasn't where they were from originally. Uh, and uh, they were described by as exiles in that opening uh, passage. And uh, 
people don't always know this about me because I haven't got the accent anymore, but uh, I wasn't actually born in this country. I am in some ways a foreigner in England. Uh, I was born in South Africa. Uh, both of my parents were born in South Africa. Uh, and although the accent has gone, there's still a few quirks about some of the food that I eat and some of the phrases that I use um, that will uh, reveal to people that I'm from South Africa. If you'd known me um, when I was 10 years old, though, it would have been much more obvious uh, that I was from um, South Africa. We as a family were living in Bournemouth at that time. And one of the things that gave us away as being foreigners was the car that we drove. Uh, my dad uh, was insistent that you should always buy a Japanese car and then you keep it for as long as you can and you just keep repairing it because they're made to last. And as you can see, our old vicarage car here is a Japanese car that's starting to get quite elderly now. It's uh, stuck with me all those years. But this car that we owned in Bournemouth, it was a Nissan Sunny, a blue Nissan Sunny, and it stood out for a number of reasons. Uh, it had been brought over from South Africa in a shipping container uh, and uh, it arrived in sunny Bournemouth. Uh, my dad noticed that the, the paint had um, started to fade quite badly in all that African sun. Um, so he had a bright idea to repaint it uh, by hand. Uh, so we had this blue Nissan Sunny that was matte blue, painted with paintbrushes. You could see the paint mark, paintbrush marks on it. Uh, and uh, as if that wasn't weird enough, uh, it was also uh, had a Q registration number plate. Um, when we'd come to register it in this country, they hadn't known exactly uh, when it was new. And so rather than give it a lesser, which would have told you how old it was, uh, they gave it a Q plate, uh, a Q registration, uh, which meant they didn't know when it was made. And this meant when we were driving around Bournemouth, this car stuck out like a sore thumb. When my mum was collecting us at the school gate, people would uh, tap on the window and ask how on earth uh, she had this Q-play uh, Q car and, and perhaps also why was it matte blue and clearly painted with paintbrushes. Um, it was weird in many ways. It was a little bit foreign. It was a little bit quirky. And I was reflecting on what it means to be a foreigner because this passage that we're uh, uh, thinking about this morning uh, Peter, writing to this church in northern Turkey, to these churches in northern Turkey, he says, live out your time as foreigners here, as foreigners. I thought, what does it mean to live as a foreigner? And um, I wonder whether it means this, that you're just a little bit weird, but often in a good way. I mean weird in the sense that you're just not quite like other people around you, just like that blue car that had faded badly in the African sun and which had a, a Q-plate. It, it just sort of stood out as being a little bit different. And I think that is what Peter is wanting to get to with these churches. He's wanting to say, uh, if you're living as God's people, if you're living as followers of Jesus in the world, then you are going to stand out as being a little bit different. You're going to look a little bit weird at times, but often in a really, really good way. Um, there's three things. Uh, in this passage that I think Peter's suggesting makes us stand out as foreigners in this world, as, as foreigners who, who, this is our home, we are committed to it, this is, this is where we are, just like my family living in Bournemouth, we loved living in Bournemouth, it was our home, it was our place, uh, it wasn't like we were aliens who'd been dropped in from a foreign planet, uh, but there was something about us that was a little bit weird, that, that just uh, showed that we were different from other people. Three things, I think, that Peter is urging these Christians uh, to uh, embrace that shows them as being a little bit different, uh, a little bit weird, a little bit foreign in their context. And first, 
it's this idea that they are people of hope. They're people of hope. In verse 13, he says, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. We talk a lot about hope in St. John's Church. It's one of our key words, but hope has this very specific meaning for Christians. It is a hope which says God is in control. Actually, this is God's world. He is sovereign. He's the maker of it. Uh, he's the saviour of it. Uh, he reigns supreme as king over this world. And we recognise that. And it means that whatever we are facing, uh, we are not in despair because we know that God is king. We know how this story is going to end. It's going to end with that coming again, as Peter's talking about in verse 13 of Jesus. He is going to come and complete this work of perfecting his world. We are people of hope. You know, I was reflecting on um, a really uh, well-known little verse from Psalm 46 this morning. Uh, verse 46, it says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And you know, that, that's almost certainly a verse you know well. It's one that we often uh, use when what we mean is, uh, I'd like to spend some time with God now, and I want to still myself to become more aware of his presence. I want to block out outside distractions. I want to be still and know the presence of God. And of course, that's a perfectly legitimate thing to do in prayer and in our spiritual lives. But I was really struck that that is not the context of uh, Psalm 46. It's worth looking it up and reading it for yourself. It begins, God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in trouble. So this verse is set in the context of trouble. It talks about there being fear everywhere, about mountains shaking, uh, about the waters roaring and foaming. It talks about uh, nations being in uproar and kingdoms falling. And into all of this, it continues, come and see what the Lord has done. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns the shield with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You see, the context of Psalm 46 is not sitting quietly with our hands folded and, and, and wanting to become more aware of the presence of God. It's more the presence of God bursting in like a superhero into a moment of desperate, desperate need in the world. It's, uh, it's almost like one of those Marvel uh, Hollywood films uh, where at the crucial moment uh, the dust clears, uh, the smoke goes away and there is the superhero standing with hands on hips saying, enough, enough. Well, that's the sort of thing that's going on in Psalm 46. It is God appearing in the midst of this war and conflict and craziness and just saying, be still, enough. Know that I am God. I will be in charge. I will be exalted amongst the nations. Uh, I think that this is what Peter's getting at when he talks about hope in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. It is about the hope of people who know that this is God's world, uh, that this is uh, his creation, that he cares about it deeply, that he loves it, that he's redeemed it, and that he has a good purpose for it in the end. And so we are not easily shaken. It's a verse that declares the sovereignty of God, that says that we have hope because Jesus is coming again. And that 
marks us out as being a little bit weird. Uh, you know, people talk about hope in the sense of, well, I hope things will get better. Uh, I hope that this is going to be okay, but we're not sure it is. Well, for Christians, it's not that sort of hope. It's a hope that says, Christ is coming again. This is his world. He's coming to get us. And we can be still and just know his presence uh, and know his power. So Peter says, you know, be a little bit weird as foreigners in the world uh, because you have this hope. Uh, then I think he also says, uh, be a little bit weird in this world because you are holy. You are called to be holy people. Uh, it's that remarkable uh, instruction, isn't it? In verse 16 of 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, for it is written, he's referring there to Leviticus, it's written there, be holy because I am holy. That's what God said to the Israelites. He said, you are going to be holy just as I am holy. This is going to mark you out in the world. You are going to be radically different to the people around you. You are going to be holy. You're going to be set apart. I don't know where this idea has come from, uh, that what the church needs to do is to get more in line with uh, what is going on in the world, to, to try and sort of uh, line up our hopes and expectations with what other people are saying, because then they will listen to us uh, and then they might want to come and join us. That just seems to be completely the opposite uh, of what scripture tells us uh, to do. It says, you be holy. You stand out as a little bit weird in a really good way. Uh, because that is what will make people stop and listen and make them examine their lives and make them turn to Christ. Do you know, uh, Peter is really clear in this, isn't it? He's saying, uh, you are different now from what you were before. Becoming a Christian involves a change in you. He, he says, as obedient children, this is verse 14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but now you are called to be holy. Uh, there's a dramatic change from what we used to be like to what we are like now. And one of those changes is that the, not just in the way that we behave uh, to one another, but the things that we value are really different. I was uh, struck by verse 18 where it says, um, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed. What an extraordinary thing to say. Uh, it wasn't with perishable things like well, how would you finish that sentence? I'm not sure I'd put silver and gold. I might say it's not with perishable things like cheese or, or bread. Um, I wouldn't say it's not with perishable things like silver and gold, because actually we normally think of those as being really stable, secure, imperishable things. Um, at the moment, in all this uh, economic uncertainty, the price of gold is going through the roof. Why? Uh, because people know you can buy a chunk of it and you can keep it and it doesn't tarnish and it doesn't go off and it doesn't spoil and you'll still have it in 10 years time and it will still be worth money. It's an imperishable thing. But Peter is here saying, no, even things like silver and gold, which you think are, are valuable and imperishable compared to what God can do, they're, they're just like bread and cheese. They, they go off. They're only temporary. They're only for now. You're going to value other things. He says, rather than valuing things like silver and gold, remember that you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. If you think that silver and gold are, are valuable and imperishable, then just think about Jesus, this, this one who died for us, like a lamb in our place, uh, whose blood is so precious that it can win a soul for all eternity. How's that for imperishable? 
if you are bought through this transaction where, where Jesus' blood uh, buys you into a whole new holy way of living, uh, then uh, you are bought for all eternity. That is something that can never be undone. You will have an eternity with God. So we're a little bit weird as foreigners in this world because of this hope that we have that God is sovereign. Uh, there's holiness, which means that we value things differently, that we make decisions differently, that we live really differently. And finally, we're marked out as being foreigners in this world because of the love that we have for one another. In verse 22, Peter says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, in other words, now that you have begun this process of becoming holy, the Holy Spirit at work in you, uh, drawing you more and more into God and being more and more like him in his holiness, uh, so that you have sincere love for each other, now love one another deeply from the heart. Love one another deeply from the heart. This has been something that Christians have been known about, known for, for generations, that we are known as people of love. That when people look at us, they say, wow, look at how they love one another. Uh, look at how they put other people first. Look at how they go out of their way uh, to be good news to people around them, to really love each other and really love the people of this world that God has made. So. I'd love to set you some really practical challenges this week to be people of love. Uh, is there something that you can do between now and next Sunday, or, or maybe every day this week, if you're up for an Uber challenge, if you're up for doing something really phenomenal, of finding a way to show your love to one another every day? I mean, maybe on Monday you, you start with somebody in your household and, and show them the depths of this love. Love them deeply from the heart uh, and, and, uh, and offer to do something out of the ordinary. Uh, show them that you love them. And, and maybe uh, through the week, maybe if you live on your own, you can pick up that phone and, and have a conversation with somebody else and, and just catch up with them. Uh, we're all feeling a bit isolated and lonely and a bit hemmed in at the moment uh, and some people loads more than others. So, so think about who might be finding it difficult at the moment, who might be a bit isolated. Ring them up, find out how they are, but then don't just have that superficial chat. Uh, see if you can get deeper than that. Love them with that deep love from right down in your heart. Uh, see if you can uh, find out what's really going on with them. See if you can share some of your fears and hopes with them. See if you can breathe some of the Spirit's hope into that situation. And this might be really practical. It might be that they need some food collecting or, or some medicines. It might be that they've been really struggling uh, with some of their IT skills uh, and struggling to watch videos like this, struggling to join in with Zoom. Uh, maybe you can offer to help them to show that love that makes us stand out as the people of God. We are a little bit weird. We are a little bit weird in this world. Christians are. We're, we're not like people around us. Uh, we are uh, bought by Jesus' blood into a whole new way of living, which marks us out as foreigners, as not quite like other people, but in a really, really good way. So I hope that um, this week, uh, as you reflect maybe again on this passage, as you read it for yourself, maybe as you go back and read Psalm 46, you'll be thinking about what it means to be a little bit weird as Christians in the world, but in such a good, good way, being people of 
hope, being people of holiness in how we live, being people who just value things in a completely different way and behave in a different way, and being people who love one another deeply from the heart. Let's uh, finish with a prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, wow, what an amazing vision of what it means to be your people. Uh, we pray that you give us that courage to stand out as people who are a little bit weird in this world. People who are different because we know you. Uh, we don't live the way that we used to. We live now in the power of the Spirit, listening for that call of Jesus in our lives. We pray that you will plant hope deep inside us right now at this time of uncertainty, uh, when there is so much uh, going on around us in this world, uh, so many things moving so fast, uh, so much to make us feel insecure. We pray that we will see you standing there and proclaiming, be still, know that I am God. We pray that you'll continue that transforming work of your spirit in us to make us holy people, uh, people who are more like you, uh, people who, who stand out because we value different things. We don't value the things of this world. We don't value the, the transitory things. We value knowing you and that transformation that you bring in us. And we pray that you'll mark us out as people of love. Will you open our eyes to need around us? Uh, will you stir that deep, deep love within us that we will overflow? That just as we've received your love, we will give it out freely to those around us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, our Saviour, our Redeemer, our Lamb, our Conqueror. Amen.